Welcome to episode eight of the Cue the Duck Boats podcast. How you doing, Kev? How was your Christmas? Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back too. Christmas is good. I got a solo though this year for Christmas, so I'm kind of pumped to finally have a nice fire pit at my house. You know, we have some fires coming up, especially with the winter weather. So I'm kind of excited for that. What is a solo stove? Is it like that? Like, um, is it propane? No, so it's a wood burning stove, but the way it is, it's like it has a, the extra airflow from the bottom and the top. So it's more like a smokeless fire pit, but oh, it's really cool. Yeah, dude, and like insane amount of heat comes out. Like it's crazy. You gotta look definitely look at the website and the reviews. But I used, love it. Have you like, used it yet? I haven't used it yet because it's been raining and bad weather here, but I'm definitely excited to use it. Like the videos are insane of how good it is. Oh, that's pretty cool. I got a meat smoker. That's pretty exciting. I've been. I no, you, you didn't even see a meat smoker, bro. You got a Traeger. Yeah, I got a, yeah. Yeah, got a really say nice the name, smoker. bro. Got a really nice smoker. And yeah, um, me, me and Jake about the name brands, guys. The yeah, name brands. yeah. Um, it uh, it, it's pretty cool. I smoked a um a pork shoulder on it the other day i just i took it off a little too soon so it didn't like pull apart like i was hoping it would but i was still i was still pretty happy with the result it tasted really good definitely it's like you have to have patience though i waited all day i started at like nine and then i finished working at four but i wanted to be ready to eat at four so i pulled it off at three to let it sit i threw it in my yeti to sit and i just pulled it off like an hour too soon which i shouldn't have but i did so it was is what it is i'm excited to probably i might smoke something on friday i think not sure yet. Yeah, I'm gonna figure do it some, all out. Uh, some pulled pork. Or yeah, a bunch of different stuff. Some brisket, bro. Definitely brisket. Oh, I want to do brisket yeah. for sure. I definitely want to do some brisket. But all right, you know that's pretty much it. Oh, obviously Nick's not here this episode. He just he's um had some prior engagements he had to he had to do today, so he'll be back next week. Um, but other than that, we really jump into the NHL talk. Obviously, there hasn't been much news at the NHL with the league still being shut down. We're obviously hoping that. We're going to get some games last weekend and early this week, but it just hasn't happened with the COVID. Um, but in the COVID news, there has been one breakthrough today with there's going to be some new COVID regulations for the NHL. So I think that that could really start to get get us back on track. Um, I have them here, so I'll just give a brief overview of them if I can find them and get them up quick. Um, I don't know. Maybe I lost them. Where did they go? So that more or less the new regulations are that they're doing a five-day quarantine for asymptomatic players, and that will allow for people to get back to hockey faster. That's the biggest thing. And another thing on it was, all right, so I have it up now. So given the recent CDC update and shortened recommendation isolation for the general public, the NHL and NHLPA have agreed to the following changes. They're only If they're COVID po- positive, they're only going to have to isolate for five days. If you have a fever, you're going to have to continue to isolate until the fever resolves. If you have no if you have no symptoms or your symptoms are resolving after five days, you can leave isolation. After you have a PCR test that's negative or you have a CT value of less than 30. So that means you can still be positive with COVID, but if you have a lower CT value, that means you'll be able to come back. Or you have two of the negative molecular point of care tests collected two hours apart. So those are the rapid tests. 
and you need medical clearance and you need it to be permitted by your local health authority. Either way, I just think that it's a a much faster way to get players back to playing. We're not going to be waiting 14 days anymore and that should keep the league running. I think this is step one towards the NHL in the NFL and all the pro sports leagues allowing asymptomatic players to play. I'm not saying I agree with it or disagree with it. I really don't know what my full opinion is on it. Obviously I want to see sports and I don't want anyone getting sick and dying. Obviously, right. We're not, we're not health officials. We're not going to get political or anything like that. Just I look at it and I, I want to see hockey. And I think if the players are on board, then I'm good with it. You know, how do you feel about it? Yeah, no, that's, that's the biggest thing is about be players being asymptomatic. We've seen like in the NHL, uh, especially like with Baker Mayfield, being so outspoken against it, it's like, hey, we're not really, like, we're not feeling, we don't have any symptoms. Let us play, especially, like, when you're in the middle, especially the NFL, you're in the middle of a playoff race and have your game counts right now. Like, we're going to talk about this later. It's, like, how close games are. Like, some teams are 7-8, and eight, you're 8-7, and 9-5. So it's, like, every game counts. And when you have 20 of your players out, especially – your whole out offense and you're on your third string quarterback and you can't play and your defense. So, so that's definitely a big part of it. And so definitely having that as like, Hey, letting asymptomatic players play, like that's a huge part of the game. It's, yeah. We're not, not there exposed, yet. We're not yeah, there yet. Not, they're not saying asymptomatic can play yet. Just they can come back sooner. Yeah. So if you're not really exposing players, and you're on a risk. There's really, hey, if they want to, they want to go along that path, and they're willing to do everything. It's let them do it. It's, yeah, they're the ones making the money. They're the ones playing. So for me, it just it comes down to like if that's what the players want to do, like they just they all need to agree to it. Obviously, though, right? Like you don't want like half of the agreeing, half of them not, and then it's like the last thing you want to do is like divide locker rooms more than they probably already are over COVID. You know what I mean? So, but I think yes. it's a good step in the right direction of keeping people playing. And, you know, I think players are going to be more outspoken about it to, like, step to your point about Baker. Brad Marchand came out and he put out a statement, you know. He put out a real statement about his opinion on the NHL not allowing the players to play in the Olympics. And I'll read that to us now. That was really – I was surprised to see it, um, even at a marshy, because the Bruins usually try to not do things like that. But, you know, I listened to Charlie's interview last week, Charlie McAvoy, and he was very outspoken to the fact that he wanted to go to the Olympics and he was going to go no matter what. He wasn't scared of the COVID protocols they were giving him or anything. And Bergeron kind of reiterated the same thing. And then Marshawn said the same thing. And it just kind of left me with a thought process of like, who am I to like say they shouldn't go? You know what I mean? Like last week, I know, or two weeks ago, I sat here and I said, I don't think they should go and I wouldn't want to go. But who am I to say that really? I don't have the opportunity to play in the Olympics. And if I did for the first time in my life, I'm sure I'd want to. You know what I mean? But Marshawn's statement, he said, the at NHL and the at NHLPA can change the rules of the CBA to add a taxi squad so they don't miss any games and they don't lose any money, which has already been agreed upon that the players will pay back in escrow until the owners are made whole from what they have lost during this pandemic, regardless of how many games are missed. Yet they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so they can honor the agreement they made so the players can go. Please tell me that's not bullshit. And for all of you on a pipe back about forfeiting pay while being gone, yeah, not a problem. Let the players make their own choice. After reading that, it like completely changed my opinion. It's like, you know, it really should be their choice. 
Like if they're not, if they're willing, they don't want to be paid. They're not trying to be paid while they're there. If the NHL can just create a taxi squad not to lose money themselves, they should be able to create a taxi squad to let the players go to the Olympics. So it's just tough. I, no, mean, exactly. I, I think a lot of guys would say no. And if they say no, then fine. That's their decision. Like, hey, you don't want to go, don't go. But if you want to go and represent your country in the Olympics, you should have a right to. A guy like Brad Marchand is probably not going to get another chance. And, like, that sucks. Like, that sucks for him, like, knowing he's not going to get another chance. Yeah, I'm like, we see it with the World Juniors right now. It's We had a four for the game in Sweden. Well, it's canceled. two guys World tested. Are canceled. Oh, it is canceled? Yeah, I don't know if you saw it. The World Juniors yeah, just canceled saw, before we started recording. So I done. saw we, got, we had a four for the game in Sweden because two players, only two players tested positive on the whole roster. And then all of a sudden you have to four for the game because you're not sure if every other player is going to be positive. They're going to be negative. So – it's just such a weird situation that you have to yeah. monitor so closely, and it's unfair to the players. Are like, like you were saying, like this is my this may be my one and only chance to represent my country. I've been putting this in for 20, 30, 40 years, and my one chance to represent. And hey, I don't get to do it. You never yeah. have the chance again, and that's yeah, no, I- it's, it's sad. It, it is. That's the thing. Like, so you look at a guy like Poss and a guy like McAvoy, they're going to have another chance to represent their country in the Olympics. A guy like Bergeron, right? He's won a gold medal. So he doesn't have, he might, not, he's probably not going to have another chance, but you can look at that. A guy like Marchand, who has been disrespected by so many different establishments within hockey for so long, to finally be a lock, to be a top six player on that Canada team, it's tough to look at him and be like, yeah, is he still going to be a lock when he's 38, though? That's really tough to imagine him making yeah. a team at 38. So, like, that's a guy I really feel for, and I understand his anger towards it. And, I mean, like, I talked to my dad about it yesterday, and he was like, it's selfish. And I was like, is it really selfish, though? I don't think it is. Like, I don't think it is selfish for him to want to go represent his country. He wants to play for something bigger than himself. So it's not selfish. I think it's selfish for the NHL to tell these players they can't go and play because they're trying to protect their assets. These people, they're, they're people. They're not just assets. They're they're hockey players who want to go represent their country. And you look at like what it would mean to play for Canada for someone who grew up in Canada. Like it's so much different than how we see it as Americans because it's just hockey's different here. You know what I mean? Like I grew up playing hockey in the U S and well, I would be such an honor to play for team USA, obviously nothing I ever imagined to even have a chance of doing, but for like a boy to grow up in Canada to, to go play for team Canada Olympics, the biggest stage ever. You know what I mean? So I just I don't think that we can sit here and be like, he has no right to say that or like clap back at him. And you think Marshawn doesn't? You think Marshawn cares about the money? He doesn't give a shit about the money. He's got money. You know, but that's that's kind of it for hockey. I mean, World Juniors got canceled. Um, I think it was yeah they wasted they wasted everyone's time with that. If you weren't <laughs> if you were just gonna make teams forfeit games if one player got COVID, then you probably should have read the room. And not did that. Like it yeah. just you shouldn't have even wasted the money and time on that tournament. Like that just that made no sense to me. I don't get it. Like put those players in quarantine and keep playing. I thought they were in a bubble, number two. Like what I guess the bubble didn't work, but you know, then it's it's hard to keep a large group of under twenty year olds from messing up a little bit, right? So but still like COVID's there. And it's just it brings me right back to this, even back to Bergeron's interview. He literally said, like, he had a headache for one day and then he was back on his feet and he didn't feel sick. So it's like, 
uh, why can't he play? But I, I just, you know, it's just, it's so hard, but let's just get off the NHL and talk about a league that's actually functioning. We'll stay with the sad stuff and we'll get right into the NFL. No, Obviously, but even before we go, like, talk about disrespect. It's, you look at the, the nominations for the NHL 22 team and yeah, Martian and Pasta got nominated, but like, where's Bergeron? Like, he deserves the respect year in, year out. It's not like he's some bum. So like that that for me, for like when team? I saw that, it was like kind of crazy. He didn't get a nomination for, for that. what team? For like the NHL twenty two team of the year, or whatever. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I, the the NHL is really deep at center. I don't. I mean, what? How many players is it? Is it the top four centers in the NHL? Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but still, like, uh, I get there's some great centers. Maybe to be but, nominated, but I don't. I don't think Bergeron's a top four center in the NHL anymore. I would say he's the top two way center. So I guess it, yeah, you know, that's one thing you have to look at that stuff. way. It's like yeah. I'm looking at scoring, just defense, but like two way Bergeron meets it there. So yeah, and he's still does but the respect, at least the nomination. Yeah, I don't that's disagree. The biggest part of it. I don't disagree. I'll have to take a look through that after. Was McAvoy on there for defense? No, like for only the Bruins, it was just Martian yeah, and just Pasta. I don't think I two. agree with that, but Charlie's still going to be underrated for a few more years. They haven't fully realized that it's not all about points, but yeah, you know, I, the NHL that's all around right now is just, it's in a weird spot. And I hope that they get the regulations figured out and they get things moving forward because the other leagues are playing. Like the NFL is playing, they're making it work. And that's what you have to do because if we just, perpetually stay in this motion of we're just going to keep canceling, canceling, canceling. Well, every year when COVID comes back, there's just going to be no hockey. So like we might as well make hockey a fucking summer sport. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And that's a <laughs> tough thing. Cause like with NHL, you have game every week. So it's a little easier with the NFL. Yeah. With the NFL compared to the NHL where you have three, four games in a week. So depending on the schedule, we, we know Bruins, they love the schedules for three, four games. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, and let's let's from there let's jump into the uh, let's jump in the NFL. The NFL luckily has been playing. Obviously, there's been a lot of cancellations, which have in COVID, which has totally affected fantasy football. But I mean, that's everything, and they're making it work. Like right at our own jobs, people have COVID, and everywhere people have COVID right now. It's just the reality of the situation. So I'm like done talking about it. But let's start off with just you know, rest in peace to John Madden. Definitely very yeah. Important. That was like, the saddest thing I saw. Yeah. Come on, but he was even though he was 85, they said it was unexpected and how much he did from the game from being a coach to a broadcaster and bringing us mad in the NFL game, like, yeah, there's everything. It's he was a polarizing figure in the NFL and just bringing to every fan, whether it's you're watching and listening or you're playing the game and just getting to know it that way. He changed the game of football. Yeah, there's no no other way around it. Like for our generation, right? It's we know Madden for the game, and it's not. I don't think it's disrespectful to even say that, right? Like I guess we know him as an announcer, but we really grew up with Madden and the video games. Playing Madden was something that we all did as kids, and I still do now. I mean, I buy every Madden every year. I can still remember the first Madden I got. I think it was Madden 2004 with Mike Vick on the cover, and I used to take him and just run around, run around, run around all the time. And for them, I <laughs> from them forward, like. I always love running quarterbacks in Madden and think about how many countless hours I put in playing Madden. And it's like, it's, it's so weird. Cause like you say, let's go play NHL. Right. And it's NHL. 
it's not like let's go play Gretzky. You know what I mean? Let's go play that. Like it's let's go play NHL. But with Madden, like let's go play Madden means let's go play. Yeah, let's go play Madden. Like his name is on the game. His his always has been. It's synonymous with football. And it it always will be. I I think it always will be. It it'll never not be Madden. You know, and I um I'm interested to see with how the game honors him in the next year, which I think should be pretty cool. I would think they would do something pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's that. Obviously, rest in peace, John Madden. Definitely affected both of us in different ways with you playing football and things like that. But I definitely grew up playing the games and a huge fan. So that was very sad to see yesterday. I'd got out of hockey practice and I saw it and I was like, oh, that was, that was a tough one. Another tough one for 2021. But, you know, let's jump into something a little more positive. Uh, what did Mac Jones get his O line for Christmas? I always like to see what the quarterbacks get their O lines. What did Mac Jones get the boys in the Patriots? Yeah, so Mac Jones got the boys a couple of different things this year, but the biggest thing was Bitcoin. So Mac Jones talks about how he was he got into Bitcoin on his own, and then he wanted to really get back to his own line. So he hit up like uh, was it Bitcoin Magazine, whatever it is, and that's hey, how do I actually like gift people Bitcoin? And he went and he like found out how to do it and he gave his big, I'm not sure how much Bitcoin he gave it or what exactly, what, if it was Bitcoin or another crypto, but he was all about the crypto this year and that was the big part of the gift. And he also gave some other things like Ted Karras. He went on like his interview and he was like, yeah, especially for like a rookie quarterback, like Mac Jones showed up this year. Like he showed the respect and he showed like, Hey, I know how to appreciate the guys up front. And that was a big thing, just like gaining respect in the locker room and showing that even though you're a rookie, you have that veteran mindset of you know how to treat your fellow players, especially your own line. Yeah, so he got them, um, he got them Bitcoins and then he got him some educational information about how to learn about cryptocurrency and he gave him a subscription to Bitcoin Magazine. So he's also trying to yeah, help the monthly finance. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool for him to do. But, you know, let's talk about some things with the Patriots. Are you getting a little nervous as a Patriots fan? Like two weeks ago, we were talking about Super Bowl or bust. And the highest odds were them in Tampa. How do you feel now? Back-to-back losses to two really good teams. Losing to the Colts and the Bills isn't losing to, you know, Jacksonville. Oh, God, what if it was to Jacksonville this week? Oh, I hope it's, not. We, it's not yeah, like the Jacksonville and so. Jets. I know. But yeah, how do you so feel I've... about it? Like, where's your where, how's your heat check on the Patriots right now? Yeah, so that's the biggest thing, like, I'm a little worried about the offense because they're not firing. Well, yeah, so like we relate on the we relate on the run game so much, and it was like Mac Jones, don't do this much, don't do this, don't do that. But now it's like Mac Jones, we need you to win games, and you saw that in the Colts game, where it's the first three quarters, like, all right, Mac Jones, you need to get going, and it just wasn't there, and he had the two interceptions and. We were trying to climb back in the game. And then that fourth quarter, like, he showed up and he he showed what he needed to do, but we just came up short and we just couldn't do it. Especially when when you're facing Jonathan Taylor and he was on the 67-yard touchdown, 69-yard touchdown run uh, to close the game. Me. That was one of the Oh, my that God, dude. Jonathan me. Taylor is just such a – so good. Like, I think he should win the MVP. Yeah, it's it, either him or Cooper Cup, like – both of them having unreal seasons. Like, that's why I hate with MVP. It's come down to the quarterback award. But when you have players in different positions, like wide receiver and running back, and they're doing things that, like, players haven't done in the whole history. Like, especially Cooper Cup, he's on pace to 
tie the receptions record and also break the receiving yards record. Like that should yeah. get that should gain some momentum. Like yeah, it doesn't just need to be a quarterback all the time. Like you can have players who, I mean, like the MVP of the Colts is Jonathan Taylor. It's not Carson Wentz. That simple. Exactly. If the Colts didn't have Taylor in that O line. <laughs> And they wouldn't be anything. It's no. Taylor closes out games. He starts the games. It's like he gives the – like from start to finish, like that's the thing. From toward the end even, he gets better and he shows like, yeah, you want to try to stop us? Guess what? I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep destroying your defense and I'm going to tire them out before I get tired, which is such a key, and especially in this game. No, it, it, that's huge in football. It attrition sets in when you run the ball like running teams win super bowls that's for sure i don't disagree at all do you think that those losses were needed to humble the patriots though they're getting a little cocky but I, i'm gonna get your opinion then i'll give mine yeah no, i definitely think the Colts game we definitely need to lose and we were able to lose the game because you can't win that many games and be like yeah we're the greatest blah blah it's like you do need to be humble it's like hey, yeah, we're a good team, but we're also susceptible to losing, which we really needed. But losing the Bills, that was tough because now we're like, we don't stand a chance in the AFC East. The Bills play Atlanta and the Jets. So unless they lose to Atlanta or the Jets, we're not going to win the AFC East. So that's tough. I know we face Miami and Jacksonville left, so comes out who's going to lose their two games and they're both favorites in all the games so it's tough because like yeah we needed the loss but you need to win one of the two games yeah i i actually don't agree with you on the fact they needed to be humbled i don't think bill belichick ever lets his team need to be humbled i think he's that good of a coach where his guys always know where they stand and they always stand at zero until the last game is played of the season they're zero until they've either won it all or they remain zero. That's how I feel like he operates. But that makes me look at like, and then it's normally, right, you're looking at Jacksonville and the Dolphins. For the first seven weeks of this year, you would have been like, shoe in. The Dolphins have now won seven straight after losing seven straight. That's the first time that's ever happened. And they look legit. I think Tua heard the noise and he's done with it. How do you how do you feel about the Dolphins? Yeah, the, the Dolphins, like, it's crazy. And it also shows, like, the respect, you kind of have to give Brian Flores, also another Patriots guy, when he lost his, yeah, you lost seven in a row. But you were able to keep that locker room focused and then show, hey, we can win seven straight and we're not out of this. So that just shows, like, he's a possible coach of the year candidate because yeah. he, didn't let, he didn't let the noise get to the team. He didn't let the noise get to him that he's on the hot seat. He continued to be like, let's just play our brand of football we know how to do. And let's do this, which has resulted in seven straight wins. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I actually am like, I'm so surprised at how bad they were to start the year because I thought they were going to be pretty good. So this is the team I kind of thought we would see, like an average team. I always thought they're going to be an average team. So seven and sevens, right where I thought they'd be. So it's like, just see how they keep moving. But I, I mean, it's funny. Like, do you think they have an outside shot at the wild card? Yeah, no, I definitely think it's like. That's one thing I want to get into is like how close the wild card is, especially with that expanded seventh seed they have this year. But it's unreal, like how like we've never seen a wild. Dolphins card. are wait, the Dolphins are eight and seven. 
Yeah, I'm saying, but like, we've never seen a wild card that's this close in the AFC and the NFC. Like, so right now you have Cincinnati. Let's see what we got here. So the Colts are number one. Then you have the Patriots. And then you have Miami, the three seats. Both the Colts and New England are 9 6. Miami's 8 and 7. And then you have the Chargers, Vegas, and Baltimore were 8 and 7. And then the 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, it, it's the but then you have three so teams good. that are seven and seven, seven and eight, seven and eight. So it's like how close this is. It's after these last two weeks are really gonna mean something. Like we've seen where it's like, yeah, last week, especially in the NFC East of you seen because you guys are usually eight and eight with the Cowboys. But Not this year, homie. this year, everything, yeah, Cowboys actually doing nice this year. But everything's really close, especially in the AFC. So It'll be interesting to see. I think Miami, if they win out, but even if they lose against um, the Patriots in Week 18, it'd be interesting. They have but, a shot. They have a shot. Legit. You no, know, exactly. They but they beat us in Week One, like yeah, by one they have point. A shot. So it's not like Miami's not to be slept on, especially nope. with Tua coming alive since he came back from the injury. So yeah, no, I agree, and I really, it's like. They, you have to look at it all, right, with how close the NFL is. And it looks at – I look at fantasy this year, and this is as competitive and as close as our league's ever been. Like, everything was so close. I think with COVID, right, so we kept – like, we were losing people sporadically all year, especially during the playoffs. It's hurt us both. There was a lot of big injuries in the NFL this year, right? You lost McCaffrey. You lost Carson. You lost, you know, you lost so many players. It's, like, crazy. And yeah. Like, Derrick Henry McCaffrey, was lost. McCaffrey, like, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, it was and then crazy. last week – um, James Conner with a heel injury. Yeah, it's like the amount like, of injuries you just saw in fantasy this year was wild. And on top of the COVID, this was such a crazy year for fantasy football. I think next year, hopefully, we'll find a little bit more normalcy and everything. And like, but it just it shows me like, man, you need depth at running back because there are a bunch of wide receivers who can put up ten points. There are not a lot of running backs who can put up ten points. Oh, that's I mean, something we need to realize. Yeah, I had plenty ridiculous. of receivers. I know, even so trade receivers, yeah. but. Running backs, like when you're getting to your fifth and sixth string running back, it's like it's tough. It's I'm so sorry, tough. Melvin Gordon and Craig Reynolds, like in the semifinals, yeah, he lost. in the semifinals, <laughs> yeah. like, that's Which awful. He there was a point this year he had McCaffrey, um, Chris Carson, and Leonard Fournette. <laughs> well, this is not yeah. I was like, come on, is McCaffrey on your undraftable list now? Will you ever draft him again? I I legit will not. No, that's me with Saquon. I had Saquon this right. year the whole year. Yeah, we we both got screwed yeah. this year. We had like very and strong teams that hurt all year. It's like from now on, I'm like I'm drafting guys who do not have injuries coming into the season. Like I'm healthy horses. No guys who are hurt. It's and like, that comes into it, like especially like Jonathan Taylor, a guy that was going in the second round or Ugh. like the twelfth nah, or the twelfth yeah. pick in He's twelve round leagues. It's he has to go in the top six now. Oh, he'll go number one. I think I, I him and Dalvin Cook will be back to back. Then Kamara, probably what you look at at the top. Zeke. You think Dalvin Cook, even with all of his injuries, like especially this year again? No, I know, but Dalvin just, showed it. It's... He'll still he'll still get drafted up high though, because there's not like, you know, there's not too many A one backs right now anymore. I mean, like Zeke's had an okay year. He's been good, but they use Pollard. They do, and they they just do. But let's get that rolls me right into the Cowboys. How good do the Dallas Cowboys look right now? Dude, they look phenomenal. Like everything clicked. They're doing that shows what they really are. I know I've been saying it forever. I know. 
but their defense is legit for the first time in what I can remember. Their offense is so good, they just have not been playing good. They finally played good. Dak had the most yards in a half ever in Cowboys history. They put up the most points in a half in Cowboys history. Then they barely played in the second half and got sat, and they just rolled into a win. Yeah, and you're and you're talking about the Washington team that pretty good. Beat yeah, Tampa. They, they beat Tampa. That's the biggest thing. They what they picked Tom Brady off twice. So that's the thing for their defense to show up. But then we talk about all year long as Micah Parsons like beast. He's not. He's just not like defensive player of the year. Defensive rookie. He's defensive player. Like ridiculous. He he's is a in game that caliber changer. as a rookie. Like I was so happy when they drafted him, and he was a game changer. Look at, I mean, just look at look at the Cowboys season. Look at their four losses, right? So, their first loss is obviously to Tampa. It's a two point loss. What is that? Two point loss. So close, so close. Their next loss doesn't come until we play against the Broncos, who came out and smacked us. Did not expect that to happen, but it did. We then lose lost to the Chiefs. A lot of money in that game. Yeah, how oh, me too. We then lose to the Chiefs in a game that is much closer than the score shows. At nineteen and nine, nineteen and nine should have should have won that game. Then we lose in overtime to the Raiders. That's only four losses. Other than that, we've came out, we've handily won pretty much every single game. Like except it, for the game against New England, when he has got yeah, yeah. They, for some reason game. they didn't decide to cover CD Lamb. So yeah, yeah, it's not him run a little corner around and throwing the just. I, I, I want to see, obviously, like the Cowboys need to come out on Sunday and they need to have a strong game against the Cardinals just to really cement this in. But I'm pretty happy with what we're seeing, and I'm happy with the NFC's title. It's been a little bit. Yeah, I'm happy that, that we got it back. Another big thing is, like, Arizona, what, they've got three straight down. I wonder, I, I wonder if you see, like, I mean, usage for Zeke, I would think for CD and Coop are going to be really low in that game. I did. I think the usage is going to be pretty low with the thirty clinching. Like what? You know what I mean? Yeah. No. So they're just saying like Tony Pollard. Like Tony Pollard would be a number one running back on any other team. Oh my god! So many teams. Like, I agree completely. He is so good. It's unreal that you guys have him. And like, there's so many games that he out yards to Zeke, and I and I have in my fans that have Zeke, and I have Pollard as the handcuffing as anything happened, and I'm like. Damn it! Like, have why, you, why so, the fuck did I start Pollard? Because he would have won me a game. So Pollard has ran for seven hundred and ten yards this year. He's averaging five point six yards a carry. Carry. Yeah, and it's not even like you. You ready? can't even say it's like ready? the Cowboys O line either. Zeke like, has ran. Has changed. Zeke has ran for eight ninety nine and is at four point three yards a carry. Yeah. You're getting point nine more yards a carry from Pollard. Pollard's getting better situations. Pollard has two touchdowns. Zeke has 10. Don't get me wrong. Zeke also has 45 receptions, which is good to see this year. Yeah, but what's is still down from that one year when he had like 77? Yeah. What I hate to see is Pollard is 36. He's, Zeke's great at catching the ball. They just don't – like he – I mean, Zeke is deadly on a screen pass. They just – they've kind of coddled him this year, which has proven successful. You know what I mean? Like we're getting – 1500 yards out of two running backs together that's good that's like it you don't need to just feed one guy all the time and run him into the ground because his longevity is zero it's proven every time like look at look at demarco murray the year after he was fed the ball nonstop. oh my god he couldn't do it anymore 
It just doesn't work. Like you're not going to see Jonathan Taylor in two years be the same running back because these guys are humans. They're not machines. They get broken down. Look at Saquon. They get look at, broken look down. At Derek Henry, they look at all of them. The they foot. get broken down. What's so I don't think Cowboys like, have the right method. With Jonathan Taylor, though, like I was like, I wasn't very high on him coming into the NFL. Which where did he play? For, Penn? No, he went to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Right. But they use him so much at Wisconsin. I'm like, yeah. For a running back that has that many miles on him, it's like that's tough. Coming oh, into the league, and I'm like, shit, dude. Like, how he's gonna translate? And he's showing like, hey, that doesn't matter. Like, his knees are good, his ankles are good. Like, as long as the legs are good, they're going. And he's shown that game in, game out. It's that's the thing. That, that's the scary part about Jonathan Taylor is, as the game goes on, he gets better. Yeah, it's not like he's a half, first half like performer. It's I'm going to show up the whole game, especially in the fourth quarter. What's killed the Patriots, but so. Yeah, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. But, you know, at least we have some football to watch, and I'm hoping that this weekend we'll get some hockey back to watch. And just as a reminder, we are brought to everyone by Inside the Rink. Inside the Rink is currently growing at a rapid pace. If you guys want any hockey information, any hockey news, get on Inside the Rink's website. It's insidetherink.com. You can follow them at inside underscore the underscore rink on Twitter and really check them out because we're beating ESPN right now to news breaks. All right. Things are breaking fast and we're getting news out there and you should be excited about the future of inside the rink. So I think everyone needs to go give them a follow and support all the other podcasts. We have a couple other podcasts on our network. Now we've one, I think just about the Bruins and one about the Rangers, the New York Pangers podcast. So we'll shout them out. And um, we'll definitely be pushing forward all their work and everything that we see over there at Inside the Rink. They've been nothing but great to us, and we really enjoyed being in a partnership with them. So thank you, guys. And this was Episode 8. You can give um, give us a follow at Q the Duck Boats with a Z on Twitter and uh, keep coming back. Have a good you one. Got any, uh, got any oh. bets for us, Jake, before we Yeah, you know what? You want to do that? Yeah, do you have one? Yeah, we forgot about it last week, so I figured. I know. Let's let's give let's give a football one, right? Do you have one up on your phone or no? I can I can give us one if we need be. No, I, I, oh, I, but also I want to give a huge oh. shout out to the Chicago Bears coming back and beating Seattle. That was a crazy game for anybody who watched that before. There was a 425 game last week. Uh, winning 25 to 24, scoring with a minute left. So that was definitely a huge game to watch. And also brings you to thinking, like, dude, Seattle, like, they had everything going and just now they don't. But there's there's some really good matchups where, like, you don't want to touch. I think that the only thing I see that I really, like, like it's tough because I don't even, like, love the love the Bills over the Falcons. Do you? Like, I don't, like, love I anything do. I see. I, I don't it, like the 14 and a half spread. No. I, Boy, but like, even that money line, that's just what I was going to Yeah. Line, just, so if I was going to. Like, four or five teams. I think but. that the only thing that I see that, like, I think will probably win is, like, you just do the old classic Brady parlay and you just do Bucks Patriots. I would, I would imagine you're going to be looking at, like, minus 150. <laughs> So you're gonna have to lay something down on that, but that should win. Well, I, was, I feel like the Colt. I feel like the Colt over the Raiders would definitely. Yeah, be. you could do that. You could oh. go Colt. You could go Colts, Patriots, Bucks. Um, 
And I just think, I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to touch the Chargers nowadays. Like, no, with them no. losing to Houston, like that well, cost me a couple hundo. I mean, I haven't weekend. bet. I haven't bet in like a month and a half, probably, because I just I don't like anything. And it's exactly like this NFL season has had so much parity. I just have not bet on any games. Like I just I look at it, I'm like, eh. I'll tell you what it is right now. So if you went Bucks, they're minus eight hundred. So if you parlayed the Bucks. The Patriots were a minus eleven hundred, and the Colts. Where are the Colts? I don't know if I have the odds yet for the Colts. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, Indianapolis Colts. Sorry, I don't have the Colts yet, even as an option. But let's say we just threw in, just really, if we did the Bills, we're minus a thousand. So if you did Bills, Bucks, Patriots, you're only at minus two eighty six. So my advice is to not bet this week. That's my advice. I look at these games, there's nothing that stands out as good unless unless you want to look at one of these games and try to pick the upset. Because I guarantee you, the Bills, the Patriots, the Colts, and the Bucks won't all win. So if you want to look at it and pick one of the upsets, more power to you. You could probably win more there than any sort of parlay you're going to work yeah, with. Any Bengals, I'm saying the Chiefs. Yeah. Like that one, yeah, dude. something Especially like that. Last week, just... Joe Burrow, man. He's just yeah. looking so nice. And T. Higgins. What a game to Yeah, he's a beast. I I mean, it's t- like I, I just there's nothing I like. Like I look through I'm looking at the whole board right now. I think Atlanta at plus six fifty is great price. Really? I just I just can't trust Atlanta. No, it's I don't like, trust Atlanta at all. Yeah, they have I would never do Atlanta, they have Kyle Pitts and what's Kyle Pitts having a great season, so about to break some rookie tight end records with his receiving yards, but He's not making that red zone impact that a lot of people thought he would. No. Nope. So I don't – I just – yeah, my advice would be just to stay away from all that. In reality, that's really all I got there. But I think that wraps it up. So that was episode eight. Uh, you know, we called it – we called episode eight crunch time because – Really, it's crunch time for the NHL to get their act together and get the players back on the ice, and it's crunch time for the NFL. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's these last two weeks, like you said, they're going to make the difference. Are you going to be a playoff team or are you going to be a figure and you're going to miss it? You're golfing, and we'll see you next season. Yep. Sounds good, Kev. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. We appreciate everyone of you.